I'd like to invite you to open your Bibles, please, to James chapter 1. Thank you for worshiping in such a beautiful way as a community this morning. I'm going to continue on. In the last service, it got, um, give you a heads up, this is probably not going to be light, sermon light this morning. So I'd like you to be willing to just kind of push deeper in with me because uh, it's, I, think, I think what the Lord has for us in the text is pretty important. Uh, it may not initially feel real good, but I think it's important. So let me tell you what we're going to do. Can I, Jim, I have um, uh, slide number 12, please. We're going to change the plan right from the get-go. <laughs> so I'm going really, to really invite us to be women and men and boys and girls who who understand the absolute centrality and the importance of the words of God in us. So that's what I'd, I'd like to end up with, and we're gonna look at that. I'm gonna go through a little bit of last week and then invite you to go take deeper steps into this. And so when I talk about ways to listen to, hear, to obey the word, here are some of the ways that I use and perhaps many of us use, but just put it out here in front for all of us. Read the Bible aloud to yourself, like the book of James. The chapters we're doing, chapter time, and then use expression. Hear yourself read the words of God. Hear yourself. When a biblical man is heard, command is heard, when you read it and you hear it, give three ways to respond and choose one. And I'll show you why I'm suggesting that in just a moment. Another could be ask someone to mentor you. To how do I obey this? How do I do this? How do I do what the scriptures are telling me? How about memorize a passage? I'm going to keep passing some, casting some vision. Lord willing, in the fall, we're going to begin a practice as a community. All of us are going to be invited to memorize passages of scripture. Not a verse, passages. Why? Well, we'll talk about that more, in the, but if something happens as the words of Christ dwell in us richly, we'll talk about that more later. In a practice we talk about a great deal here is Lectio Divina, which is reading the word, entering the passage, letting the scriptures and the spirit it invite you in to experience whatever it is the text offers as the spirit moves, allow that to shape how you think, feel, and live. So we'll come back to that in a few moments. But now we're gonna go to James chapter one, and beginning, I'm going to start reading where we were last week. So I'm going to go to chapter 1, verses 2 through 2 and 3, and then verse 12. And then I would like to read chapter 1, verses 19 through 22. And I want to stop, and I would like to read an email from the person I talked about last week. So chapter 1, please hear the word of the Lord, beginning at verse 2. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and my sisters, Whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, and that word means to, to be actively steadfast, to have staying power, to be constant, to be determined in adversity. Let perseverance finish its work, here's the purpose, so that we may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Verse 12, blessed is the person who perseveres who is actively steadfast, who has staying power, who is constantly clinging to the Lord, who is determined in adversity. Blessed is a person who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life, life from the Lord who was promised to those who love him. 
So I'll come back to that in just a moment. So remember now, um, I try to emphasize over and over that we have to, we have to, let me, quick time out. My mind's all over the place. In a sentence, we have to learn to think with the mind of Christ. That's what I'm poking at here. Consider it pure joy when you experience trials of every kind because there are biblical, loving, God-ordained things behind it that will make us spiritually tough. I just want to add to the, my background story in the book of James. I share with you all the different reasons why James is writing to this, this, this people. Remember, they're being persecuted. They're being scattered. They're being ostracized from community. They can't, kids can't go to Torah school. They, they can't even work. No one buy their produce. Here's the last one. There's a massive famine. They got no food. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, you read about St. Paul asking brand new believers, could you give some money? Could you give some money? Because I got to go to Jerusalem because those people got nothing to eat. So I want you to think Ukraine. I want you to think Pella's blown up by cruise missiles. I want you to think that your life has rapidly changed. You can't get food. You can't, everything's, and you hear these crazy words from the brother of Jesus. Consider it pure joy when you experience trials of every kind. Because the purpose of those trials is to make us spiritually tough. Remember, then last week, I moved into temptation. We are spiritually tough in the midst of Ukraine situations. It hasn't happened yet. We don't have that. But I want you to put your minds there. That kind of situation. Now we talked about temptation last week. Remember? The source of temptation is here. And then there is a course. It is conceived. It is birthed. And it leads to death. So last week, Sunday morning, I read from a family who is, who is experiencing a level of pain in their family that I, few, any, I doubt any, few of us, if any of us, will ever experience. One of the children has a disease that only a few hundred people in the world, world have. And I asked him to write last week to me and tell me what he sensed and felt. And I read it to you. I asked him to be here, and he was, to, to send me another email. I'm going to read some more. Consider it pure joy when you experience trials of every kind, spiritual toughness, so that when temptations come, you have the strength to overcome temptations. And now, he says, let these words be in you in powerful ways. Why? so that you can see your trials as things making you tough, so that you can say no to temptations, so you can live in, in this dynamic relationship with Jesus. I'm gonna give you a phrase in a minute. I'll show it on a slide. Here's the phrase. Disciples of Jesus. I don't wanna use their Christians anymore. I'm, not, I, I'm gonna try not to use it. I'm talking disciples, people, women, women and men, who wanna be like Jesus. Say what he said, do what he did, think what he thought as though he lived a life in us. Listen to this now. Here's the sentence I'm gonna give you in a minute. I'll put it on the screen. We're not trying to have faith. Listen to me, disciples. Listen. We're not trying to have faith in Jesus. 
We are aspiring to have the faith of Jesus. Do you think the crazy things Jesus said? You want to see a mountain? You want it to move? You tell it to move. You ask anything in my name, Jesus, I'll give it to you. And we're thinking, okay, I got to exercise faith. I got to, I got to, I got to really, okay, mountain, move. Please move. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. Let's flip it. As we become women and men and boys and girls who are deeply embedded in Jesus, who is living his life in us and through us, listen to me, we're not trying to develop the faith in Jesus, no more than that. Listen, we want to develop the faith of Jesus. That's what James is trying to say to a persecuted, starving people. So now the man who was here last week wrote me part two. He's gonna talk about trials, temptation, and the word. This is in our family here. If I look at the text of the Bible, James, I find parallels between the structure of his words and how I experience two emotions in what's happening in our family, suffering and temptation. Let me explain. If I genuinely engage in deep introspection, it seems that my deepest moments of despair in human reaction, my temptations have an e have a form of anesthetizing my pain. He said, when I was young, I used substances. But now, he says, I isolate and I withdraw from God. He said, it's not, fate, it's not wrong to be so broken. It's human, but it's not healthy. And I know it's not what God wants for me. So when I experience temptation... I am tempted by the idea that isolation or turning my back to God will move me away from pain. And the dichotomy between suffering and comfort is that the human reaction to turn away from God to bring us comfort actually is damaging. He says the thing that I have effectively found that affects this kind of pain, this misplaced despair are the words of scripture. He said, I have only tears, but I read the words of God and I pray, Lord, give me daily bread, just a nugget, just a piece of bread today so I can handle this trial. And then at the end he says, I am gonna cling to the words of James, the brother of Jesus. And then through the eyes of St. Paul, suffering produces endurance, Endurance produces character, and character produces hope. We suffer not because God is just so stinking mad with us, you bunch of losers, you're not. No, he is trying to make us spiritually tough. So let me ask you, how spiritually tough are you? When your trials come, when your temptations are here, remember, conceived, birthed, when you experience, how are you, how are you coping? How are you thriving? How are you flourishing? Now he's going to show us, and this person points at it, remember, trials, temptations, and now the word. 
Now, chapter 1, verse 19. Now we're going to go to the word. And your heading is listening and doing. My brothers and sisters, and that phrase is used 17 times, family, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen while you're starving, while you're being persecuted, while you're being chased all over the region. Slow to speak to each other and slow to become angry at the situation and everyone else because human anger does not produce the righteousness, the right relationship that God desires. Therefore, rid yourself of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word, the word planted in you which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Now, I'm going to come back to that in just a moment. I'm going to give you some bigger picture, if I may. Can I slide, Jim? Can I go four through ten? Now, I'm going, to, I'm going to frame this a little bit now for us. Why is it so critical if we want to be spiritually tough, if we want to be people who can overcome temptation, and we have right relationships in life, what is God doing when we are being deceived? Verse 19, when we deceive ourselves. Now, I'm going to mess with this now. I'm talking about this. Talk about the mind. God knows the mind is the starting place for our actions. He knows the mind is where our spiritual enemies always attack, lie, accuse, and destroy. Back from Genesis chapter 3, the game plan from our enemy has not changed for thousands of years. So you have a spiritual enemy. I have, we have, we have spiritual enemies who want to mess up what we think. He comes after us, after us, after us, after us, after us, and he's always coming here. Watch the, watch, stay with me, watch the next slide. If we are not entertaining God's truth, we will be entertaining Satan's lies. Would you think about this a little bit? If we're not letting these words dwell in us, we're probably being impacted outwardly. So let me, I'm going to give some personal things. Let me go a couple more before I get personal here. Next one, please. Satan's main task is to keep our minds anywhere but on the present reality and probabilities of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is never in but if you look at your phone for more than a half hour, or your tablet, or the news, what are you going to be told? And all of a sudden, where's God? I said this, I said this last service, last week at 11 o'clock, and someone was so mad they walked out and sent me a, an angry email at, right after the service. So this is what I said, made him so mad. I want you to go to higher education. Pick your college, university, and pick your major. Got one thing in your head? Pretend we're all going to go to college. Or let's go trade schools. Trade schools. You can learn to be a diesel mechanic or, or uh, air, airplane, airplane engine mechanic. But whatever. You go to any place you want for next level education. You pick the place. You pick the major. You pick the focus. Does anyone in the training get trained that the kingdom of God is involved in every aspect of whatever training you've experienced? 
Pick your college, pick your university. I met with the president of a seminary this week. And the best data they have, this is a seminary, that a majority of the students going to become pastors have a minimized or lose their faith in their three years of seminary. Satan's main task is to mess with this. Remember I told you, what we think affects what we feel. What we feel pushes our desires, and our desires lead our bodies. Why are we going through trials? To make us spiritually tough. Why? That when temptation comes, we are tough enough to say, no. What's going on? We have a battle. Next slide, please. This world, I'm quoting scripture, in the snare of the devil is a world of ideas, images, feelings, and beliefs that cause people to be, through their desires and their feelings, about what is wise, what is true, what is beautiful, and what is good. We wrestle not with principalities and powers, but against heavenly forces in the heavenly realms. If you want to destroy a country and you were Satan, what would you do? Let's affect higher education. Let's affect social media. Let's affect the screens. And all of a sudden, what is true and beautiful and good becomes what? Look at us. Look at America today. What are we calling beautiful, wise, and true today? You see, the, we have, I'm not, am I exaggerating here? We all know, we all know big tech is manipulating everything. We all know that, right? That's not a secret. And we all keep using the same things that are being manipulated all the time. It's just, it's just crazy to me. We know we're being manipulated. We know it. And we let someone manipulate us. Hello? You see, this is why these words from God are so important. Next slide, next slide. And this is my sentence. A disciple's invitation is to move from faith in Jesus to the faith of Jesus. So you can say to a mountain, move, and it will move. I'm just quoting Jesus. It's the faith of Jesus. One more, and then we're going to go back to the passage. Can I have number 10? And 11. Here. So this, this is, this is com- I'm quoting St. Paul here now, Romans 10. Faith comes from and hearing from, why, why was the first possibility for scripture learning was to hear yourself read it. Faith comes by hearing. So in the first century, in the day James wrote his letter, how many people could read? 1%. So how did people hear? Remember now, James wrote, James' James letter is taken from the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. 
James, who did not believe his brother was the Messiah until he rose from the dead. But he heard his brother talk about blessed are the poor in spirit. He listened to all that, and he takes all those words that he heard, and they're found all through the book of James. What else do you see in the book of James? You see all these little sentences, these proverbs. Why? Because he memorized, the people memorized, the men memorized the part of the Bible. They memorized Torah. So they memorized the proverbs. So James takes two things. He takes the words of his brother, and he takes that what they've memorized, and he says to people, along with St. Paul, let the faith grow in you from hearing, hearing, hearing the word of Christ. But we're going to see, he doesn't just say hear, he says do it. One more slide, and then we'll go back to the passage. The faith of Jesus, not faith in Jesus, the faith of Jesus expands in us as we hear and obey the truthful words about the present reality of the kingdom of God. Let me say it one more time. The kingdom of God is never in trouble. I want you to think about this now. Let's go to Ukraine. Everyone come to Ukraine with me. Let's pretend this is Ukraine. And cruise missiles have hit all through downtown Pella and all through our neighborhoods. Can you picture it? Now let me quote words from scripture. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. No food, persecution, war. How is it possible to say those words? Unless, unless you have become spiritually tough, the words of God are resting, living in us that we can say, if a cruise missile hits this building and we all evaporate, what do we believe, Christians? That last week, someone was, was offended when I said, you may not know when you die. I want you to think about that. At the moment of your death, you may not know you have died. Why do I say that? Let me give you a word picture. Just imagine you have a little child, three, two years old, and she, you're taking care of her, and she falls asleep on the couch. And you pick her up, and you carry her to your, her bedroom, and you lay her on her bed, and she wakes up, and she has no idea how she got there. What did St. Paul call it when we die? Asleep. Asleep. So if a cruise missile hits this building and we all evaporate, if you are in Christ, you're going to be doing just fine. In fact, you're going to be doing really good. But see, it requires the words to be in you. So this is my personal commitment to Jesus. For every minute I use my phone for non-work-related things, every minute I read the words of Scripture one to one. Why? Well, let's go look at it. Chapter 1, verse 19. Let's go on. 
My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen to the words of Scripture, slow to speak to each other, slow to become angry with a situation because human anger does not produce the right relationship God desires, what he wants, wants. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth, the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can what? Save us. So don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word and does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror. And after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks at. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law. What's the perfect law? The perfect law. I'm going to quote Jesus. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with heart and soul and mind and strength. You love your neighbors yourself. That's the perfect law. So go back to the passage. Whoever looks intently into the law of love that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they'll be blessed in what they do. Verse 22, do what it says. Verse 25, doing it, and then do the perfect law that gives freedom. In the morning, Lane and I together, since Kirk has died, we use a prayer book called Venite, V-E-N-I-T-E. And in the prayer book, there are four sections to it. And the first section is called Remembrances. So every day of the month, there's a person who will remember who has been committed to Christ. Many of them were martyrs. So this is one of the martyr stories from I just read a week ago. Someone who was following Jesus in a time of persecution was accused of misspeaking in that day what God's designs were. So he was taken to a, a large square in a big city in Europe. And as the, the, the this people gathered around, there was a great big pile of wood and a stake. They began to slowly strangle him. And as he was being strangled, he spoke words of blessing over the people who were watching him. He spoke words of blessing. And then as they started to light him on fire, and as he was burning alive, burning alive, he blessed his children and his wife. And he blessed the city of London and all who had done that to him. That is an example of someone who is absolutely free. He is living in the perfect law of love. To love, agapao, is to will the good of another. See, we're not trying to get the having, just having faith in Jesus. We want to have the faith of Jesus. How does it happen? Consider it pure joy when you experience trials of different kinds because the Lord is trying to make us spiritually tough so that when temptations come, we can say no. And then with each other, we live in this law of freedom and all of a sudden people get affected by how we live. See, you gotta hear this church. To be a Christian is going to heaven, it's all gonna be good. I can live however I want and as long as I got the slip, I'm okay. And I've been trying to say to you, maybe, maybe not. But to be a disciple of Jesus and that's what we are becoming. Think, think about this. 
What was the last thing Jesus said before, before he descended to heaven? All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. I give it to you. Go and make Christians of all people. Is that what he said? Disciples. Who are disciples? People who do what Jesus did. Who say what, said what Jesus said. Who think what Jesus thought. How do you do that? We become women and men who actually do the things James is talking about. Think about this. I want you to think about this. Heresy. Ready? Here it goes. Do you need to hear another sermon in your life? I'm serious. How many more sermons do you need to hear? Zero. Absolutely. Mike said zero. <laughs> Let me tell you a story. So in California, young pastor, and the pastor is Juan Carlos Ortiz. I'm just out of seminary. And Juan Carlos Ortiz preached the same seminary in this great big Hispanic church for seven consecutive weeks. And the eighth week, people were just madder than mad. And they came up to the front. They said, when are you going to preach a different sermon? He said, when you start doing what I've been saying for the last seven weeks. <laughs> Don't be deceived. Do it. So what, what if I just said, you don't need to come back and listen to me talk week after week or anybody talk. You know enough about the kingdom of God to do it. So let's do it. It's wonderful. You know, Hebrews talks about gathering together, encouraging one another. Absolutely. We start doing it. So what happens? As we do, there's freedom. So quick conversation. I wrote down a note. I can't remember why I know this. Quick neighborhood conversation. Don't. <laughs> um, so, what are you hearing this morning? What are you hearing this morning? And what is the Lord telling you to do? Right? Can we do three minutes? What are you hearing and what are you being instructed to do? On your marks, get set, go. Please. <laughs> Okay, thank you. How about, could, would, anybody, would anyone be willing to just say, what do you sense, having heard, 
What do you sense the Lord's word telling you to do this week? Anybody? What are you to do? She just said, uh, some years ago, I challenged us to watch screen time, turn the TV off back in the day, and that has been a life changer for her by having less screen time. I, I, wanna, I, I understand the world we live in. I understand we need screens. I, I, I get it. I get phones. I understand all that. But I want to keep challenging us. And you, everyone knows I'm not, I'm not exaggerating at all. We are being manipulated by spiritual forces in the heavenly places. If we can redefine so many things in life in a relatively short period of time, you have a spiritual enemy is changing how 320 million people think. And we think differently, and then we say what is right and true and beautiful and good is completely changed. So if, if, I, if you'd let me be your pastor, we are in, a, in some ways, imagine the boat is sinking and you're in the water. I'm trying to throw you a lifeboat, a, a lifesaver. You, all of us have to figure out how, how, how can I, how can you, how can I make these words ours? Consider it pure joy. When you experience trials of every kind, because it makes you spiritually tough. The, it's the, it is these words. It's not what social media, it doesn't matter what any screen says or any person. It's the word. 50 years from now, who knows? At some point, we're all going to be dead. And in this moment, people are going to look back on this moment of time, they're going to make all kinds of observations about this moment of time. And that this happened, and that happened, and this happened, and that happened, and all these things happened. And all of us are going to be gone, and most institutions will be gone, and the leaders will all be gone, and most of us are going to be dead. The grass withers and the flower fades, but these words last forever. So get them in you. However you're wired, figure it out. So action steps, slides, I don't know how it works for you. Find a way. Listen to it. Have someone read to you. Just, just somehow get the words of life in you. I'm going to tell a story. I'm going to hide it. But there is someone connected to our church family who was absolutely destroyed by the media. The person ended up going to jail. And the last season has been horrible. The person lost health, lost job, lost everything. And if I named what the event was and what happened, you would all know exactly who it is. This whole situation. And I watched a person be destroyed by social media, destroyed by the mainline media, destroyed by our government, is now battling with all kinds of maladies, 
and I'm watching a man who is standing strong. Consider it pure joy when you experience trials of every kind. Because in those trials, we become spiritually tough. More than having faith in Jesus, we want to have the faith of Jesus. Amen? Let's pray. Let's have a moment of silence. Ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you with whatever you need to hear, and then I will pray for us. Would you listen to the quiet voice of the Holy Spirit? If you hear the Spirit giving you specific instructions, may I invite you, with all respect, to do what he says. Thank you, Lord, your word is active. Your words are alive. Your words can change us for eternity. So speak, help us become more like Jesus. For we do pray in his name, amen.